Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Wow. Hello and welcome to the Abroad in Japan podcast, probably the best way of learning about life in Japan without actually being in Japan. I'm your host, Chris Broad, and we're joined, as always, by England's top Japan enthusiast, Mr. Pete Donaldson. Pete, how are you doing this week? I'm good. I've just remembered that um, in my garage, I may have discarded a petrol-doused piece <laughs> of kitchen roll um, oh. a couple of days ago, and I've just realised that that's not a good idea, is it? I'll probably no. need to put that in the bin. <laughs> Bloody hell, Pete. What? If we hear a loud... I left my keys in the door last oh. night. <laughs> if we hear a loud explosion or burglars break yeah. in mid-recording, um, that'll be yeah. why. Nice one. Very much the situation here. Why, why is there... Hang on, why is there f- petrol-doused toilet paper in your garage? What's... Mm. I was I was familiar. I was filling in. Uh, I was filling in. I was filling a um, lawnmower, right. a, a petrol lawnmower. With <laughs> I don't. I, I my carbon footprint. Although I do go on several holidays a year, and I'm disgusting. Um, is filthy. Mainly aviation. I think I've I've obviously spent more aviation fuel than I have any other kind of fuel. I've never I've never driven. I've never owned a, a, yeah. a, a motorcycle or anything. Uh, but now I'm upping my carbon footprint by owning a scooter and also um, owning a petrol uh, or inheriting rather uh, a petrol lawnmower. So you've got a scooter now. Is that a new thing? Yeah, I bought a scooter. Wow. Yeah. I, well, I, I passed my CBT. I was on a whim. I'm, I'm big on whims, Chris. Sometimes I'll just go, oh, I know. right, what can I do to make my life a little bit more um, interesting and also difficult? Uh, and, and yeah, it was. Uh, I, I got myself a scooter and passed my CBT. Um, and I've, I've probably said this on every podcast I've done this week. I'm in this kind of like no man's land of uh, – actually, I've, I've got it fixed. I've got it fixed now. But I was in a situation where I had a scooter – need to get it on the road, and to get it on the road, you need to register it. But I can't register it until i got insurance. But you can't get insurance because it's unregistered. <gasps> so I was in this kind of catch-22, awful situation where I was losing my mind a little bit. Oh, dear. <laughs> but we're, we're sorted now, I think. We're, we're, on the, we're on the right track. I mean, I've driven a scooter a few times. It is quite fun. It's, um, I mean, I think mm. I would cry if I was riding a motorbike. But a scooter is the right speed, isn't it? It's somewhere between a bike and a motorbike. Mm. Uh, and I... I, yeah, I, I'd like. I don't think I've ever done it in Japan, but I've done it in Italy uh, and China. Mm. Um, I don't know why I've never done it here. 
should we should do that next time yeah. you're over? Well, they, they seem quite they seem quite popular, don't they? I think it's um, I, I think with um with the old, it would give me a bit more confidence on the road. I would say mm. if I was ever going to learn to drive, <laughs> you won't. But you I'm just waiting. Won't. I'm just waiting for the the thumbs up from the DVLA so I can. I can get my scooter on the road. Yeah, well, I could be the next season of Journey Across Japan or Scooter. I um, I'm yes, Scooter Boys. I'd love that. That'd be quite fun. Um, just without the stress Ooh. of cycling. I one thing I do quite like uh, e-bikes. You know the bikes where you have like a little motor on, and it takes a lot of the stress mm. and strains out of cycling. I've done that a few times. If you ever go to, oh, what's it called? What's the nice uh, uh, Kamakura? Kamakura, the nice kind of ancient mm. uh, little town just outside of Tokyo, uh, not far from Yokohama. If you go there, ladies and gentlemen, or Pete, uh, get a bike, but get an e-bike, and you can cycle around the whole area in a day. And it's really amazing way of seeing the kind of town on an e-bike. I love that. It's one of my nicest memories of my mm. first year in Japan. Um, yeah, I might get one. I, I don't know where my bikes are yeah. from Jenny across Japan. I've got two bikes, right? And then I left them in Tokyo with Tokyo Creative, who helped me with the series um, two years ago. And I don't know where they've gone. I think they're just in Ian's house somewhere. Good old Ian. Yeah. My bikes. I heard you threw them in the canals. <laughs> <laughs> Revenge. In my bitterness, my... Bitter state after Jenny across Japan. I tossed my bikes in a river and swore to never ride a bicycle again. Yeah. Um, we've got a story this week from Paul from Melbourne. Story of the week. And it is, dear Chris and Pete, uh, thank you for the great podcast. I have a couple of stories from my time living in the homeless and day labourer district of Japan, Nishinari in Osaka. I lived there as it was cheap and close to Namba, the, ho- the heart of Osaka. It's a great part of Japan. It gives a glimpse of a character filled rough uh, and seedy Japan from days gone by. I also recommend the nearby districts of Tenoji and Surahash uh, for the same reason. My first story occurred with a gentleman who appeared to be a local day labourer started chatting to me while I was stopped at a red light on my bicycle. He asked me in impressive English where I was from and told me about his travels abroad. He then asked me if I would like to go for a coffee, and I told him I couldn't as I was busy and said goodbye. At the next lights, I heard a yell from behind. I turned around to see him running up to me with a hot can of Boss Coffee, which he handed to me with a smile and a farewell. I think this sums up the good-hearted hospitality found in Japan towards foreigners. Uh, my second story is about the time my bicycle was stolen. Oh, no, outside of my Nishinari flats. I didn't think much about it until a few months later when I was living in Hirakata City. I received a call from the police. I couldn't understand what they were saying, so I handed the phone to my Japanese friend. The police had found my bicycle and were asking me if I wanted to pick it up. My friend explained that I couldn't as I was living in a different city. The police then offered to deliver it to where I was living. Lo and behold, it turned up on my doorstep a week later. I was thoroughly impressed by this display of generosity. Keep up the good work, fellas. Paul from Melbourne, Australia. Wow. That's the, some of the nicest, most heartwarming stories we've had recently, I think, isn't it? Um, mm. And an advert for Boss Coffee right there. You can't, you can't have time for a real coffee. <laughs> that is like an advert for Boss Coffee, it is, isn't, it? Well, isn't it? That is very much like it. Anybody, anybody listening for a PR firm here or a marketing agency, you've just got your idea for Boss Coffee. Hell of a story. Why is no one... Yeah. This is, that's a really nice gesture. I don't think anyone's... No one's run over to me with a Boss Coffee in eight years. Um, it's nice. But then I've never had my bike stolen as well. I remember on Journey Across Japan, we were terrified. Uh, the 46 days cycling, the bike was just the bikes were just left out the front of the hotel, uh, the various mm. hotels we were staying in. And um, somehow they made it without being nicked because bike theft is a thing in Japan. Uh, whilst crime is generally low, 
bike theft is 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 higher than you'd think. Um, so mm. well, that's a nice story. I, I th- you sort of see a lot of um, bikes that aren't really locked up, or they've got those really kind of like arbitrary little, um, those little kind of like weak little locks on the, on the back wheel that you just mm. kind of click in and click out again. Um, and uh, a, a mate used to live in, I think, uh, Shinjuku, and, and, and she said mm. that like half the time it's not really a theft; it's just drunk people just getting the wrong bike and just cycling <laughs> i can believe that i can believe that but it's interesting yeah. to to hear about this district in osaka it's often comes up a lot um people you know people say what's the most dangerous place in japan a lot of people say this nishinari district in osaka um but then you also hear lots of heartwarming and nice stories like this and i think recently they've they've done up the area um i love osaka it's a very gritty kind of place it's a lot kind of the people are a lot more friendly and um, kind of crazy and wacky than Tokyo, in my view. Um, and the city is more dynamic and exciting and unpredictable and gritty. The word is gritty. You think Osaka, that is the word, most overused word, but accurate as well. And um, I've never been to this area, but um, yeah, there's a lot of day labourers, the sort of folks who kind of just work on a day-by-day basis, cash in hand. Uh, many are homeless, unfortunately. Um, but it looks like a really cool place. And um, if I was going to somebody put a gun to my head and ask me to make a documentary tomorrow afternoon, I'd get the first train to Osaka and I'd go there and interview people and uh, make a documentary. What do you reckon? Good idea, Pete. Should I do it? I, I'm fairly certain I've seen a, a couple from Vice in that kind of area and uh, they were very, very compulsive viewing. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, more of that, please. It's definitely <laughs> Vice territory, isn't it? Um, but that was a nice act by the police. Um, but... Uh, Japan's judicial system um, and the police sometimes don't do so well in uh, international news. And uh, we turn our attention this week to Carlos Ghosn, uh, one of Japan's, oh. the, one of the most famous foreign, uh, famous foreign executives living in Japan um, and the boss of Nissan. He recently, this week, the UN told Japan that its treatment of Carlos Ghosn when he was uh, held in custody for 180 days was fundamentally unfair. Uh, which has annoyed a lot of the Japanese government, I think. Um, and yet a lot of people, I imagine, are sympathetic with what happened. Um, quick recap, what happened with Carlos Ghosn, Pete? Do you remember the great Carlos Ghosn story? I do, yeah. He ago, was, um, was he Lebanese or Israeli? I forget where he's Le- yeah, he from. Lebanon-Brazilian. Lebanon-Brazilian, that's right, yeah. He um, he was very popular in Nissan. He was discovered to have been um, possibly involved in some white collar crime and uh, the, the Japanese to be fair did like come down like a like a big yeah. sack of bricks on him didn't they and and it's kind of rare to see that in uh, in the modern world of seeing uh, kind of people who, Especially who are accused of someone quite, as untouchable quite as corporate Carlos. crime yeah mm, yeah it's just it's it's a very rare sight I'm not against it I just think it's a very rare sight and it was quite almost quite refreshing but clearly mm. um the way that they uh, administered the house arrest and stuff, and how he wasn't allowed to talk to his wife unless it was through a unless it was through a lawyer, was definitely against the <laughs> definitely against some kind of international uh, law. Mm. Um, so yeah, well, the, uh, to give a quick kind of one minute recap, um, in the late nineties, Nissan, the car company, wasn't doing very well. Looked like it could go bankrupt, uh, and then Carlos Ghosn, uh, who had a track record turning companies around, turned up. He got the top job. And he basically gutted the company. He fired, I think, 30% of the workforce. A lot of people made them redundant, did some things that um, a Japanese CEO couldn't really do, given that the company was so tied in. Like, it's hard to do important 
make important changes to a company in Japan without pissing off your stakeholders and whatnot. But he did things that uh, most Japanese CEOs wouldn't normally do. And credit where it's due, he saved the company, which amazed a lot of people. And in the space of two to three years, he turned it right around from in the red to being highly profitable. And um, as a result, he was hailed in Japan as this sort of hero, this foreign brilliant business leader. He became the most famous foreign business leader uh, in Japan. They even made a comic book series about him, didn't they? Remember the manga comic book series from yes. 2003? Um, he won loads of awards. Um, and, uh, you know, he's about as big as they come in terms of executives. And I think he got a lot of awards in the UK as well. I think I don't think he was knighted, knighted but he got an OBE or something. He got some sort of um, title. Uh, and then this untouchable, untouchable executive, in November 2018, as he was landing uh, in Tokyo on his private jet, he was basically taken into custody and for 130 days, sorry, I said 180 earlier, he was held in detention um, and rearrested three times in a row. Um, it's The way they do it in Japan, it's pretty dicey. Um, they'll take you into detention. They'll release you after your time is up, um, after you kind of reach the maximum limit. And then as you're walking down the steps of the police station, leaving basically, they'll rearrest you again for something else. Um, and mm. I think, yeah, I mean, most foreigners living in Japan, if you talk to them about Japan's judicial system, it does get them a little bit on edge, including me, you know. Um, they have a policy of basically you're guilty until proven innocent. It's almost like the opposite of uh, of what we know um, in the West. And yeah, it's a little bit dicey. And anyway... What happened mm. was, after a few, after a year or so uh, of being in this situation, one day he disappeared. Um, he disappeared from Japan um, while he was under house arrest, I believe. Uh, and somebody he just popped up in Lebanon, didn't he? About two or three days later, uh, in Beirut um, on thirtieth of December, and um, he <laughs> he been smuggled out in like a cello case, um, which was all rather bizarre. Um, and it, I think. A lot of the goodwill that he had built up in Japan was lost overnight. Like a lot of people that I'd spoken to were kind of feeling a bit bad for him um, because what they think happened is Carlos Ghosn uh, had tried to had, had basically had some sort of some sort of bust up with his uh, protege at Nissan. He wanted to merge Nissan and Renault, Renault, the French car company, mm. and some Japanese executives were like, "No, screw that. Let's set him up." and grasped him up to the police and uh, then everything happened. But it's one of those situations. It sounds like he did some dodgy things. Um, he used allegedly Nissan's money to pay off houses in Brazil and uh, Lebanon, I think. That's certainly what he's accused of anyway. We can't, we can't say that he, no, no. he uh, you know, we can't put allegedly in there, but he, yeah, he that that's certainly what he was accused of by the Japanese uh, government. And obviously he's, he's uh, the Japanese authorities. And obviously he's, um, he's not been tried yet because he keeps, Keeps hiding in little boxes, doesn't he? <laughs> <laughs> he does. He very much does so. And uh, yeah, but when he left Japan, it was interesting. A lot of um, people I spoke to who were foreign were like, yeah, go Carlos. He escaped um, this sort of injustice and this ruling. And it's not by the UN. It's by a panel of experts that work with the UN, I think. Mm. This ruling has certainly um, added fuel to the fire. Um, the whole issue had kind of gone away. It was a really big news story in Japan for a lot of 2018, 19. Um, and then obviously it just sort of disappeared overnight when the COVID situation popped up. But uh, he got mm. away with it, it seems. And um, now there'll never be any justice. But uh, there you go. It's, it's interesting. Whether he's guilty yeah. or not, I don't think we'll ever find out. 
But all I know is Nissan hasn't been doing so well recently. So his departure um, and uh, seems to have led to Nissan going downwards a little bit as well. So. I, don't know. Mm. I mean, it's it's almost as if there's a worldwide worldwide uh, pandemic where um, <laughs> industry has it's been hit terribly. Didn't realise you were probably an expert, put that in as well. An expert on economics, Pete. <laughs> 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 yeah, there you go. The story of Carlos. Dear Lord. But, oh God, I remember mm. it was 2019 when we was it 2019 or 2020 when we covered the story. I think it was a year ago when he escaped. Now wasn't uh, it? Yeah, it was, yeah. I, I just enjoyed the fact that how much you love this story. I love how much you're obsessed with Carlos Gore. It's very enjoyable. It's just a cello case, isn't it? And, uh, yeah. 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 Carlos Gore. I, I think, it, I think, um, I knew about Carlos Gore living here, as most people did. He's all over the place in the news mm. and, uh, had this sort of heroic figure. So it was kind of unspeakably, it was kind of un- unimaginable, um, for him to sort of have this fall from grace, I think, um, and worried a lot of foreign executives in Japan. Um, who worried that they might face similar treatment. So, I don't know. But there you go. Mm. Japanese government is worried that uh, it could encourage those who would stand criminal trial to entertain the idea that flight could be justified and prevent the realisation of justice and the proper functioning of the criminal justice system in each country. Um, legitimate concern potentially there. doesn't set a great precedent. Um, but there you go. Carlos Goni's escaped and uh, maybe he's got off of it. He's got off the hook in other news um japan uh, shops in japan have been enlisting the help of a robot to ensure customers are wearing masks as the country prepares for a possible third wave of the coronavirus uh robo v uh developed by the advanced telecommunications research institute international in kyoto uh is able to pick out customers who aren't wearing masks and politely ask them to cover up um and it can also intervene when they fail to socially distance while queuing up to pay. It's a good idea, I think, because it can be a bit awkward for shop staff to say anything to customers who aren't wearing a mask. Um, they're a little bit reluctant to do that in Japan, given the politeness. Um, people probably wouldn't say anything. And while I see most people in everyday life here wearing masks, I'd say like 99.99% of people do wear a mask. Every now and then you see one person who's not, and uh, nobody says anything really, because they're a bit shy and uncomfortable about doing it. So. Yeah. If a robot was there to be like, "Oi, get your mask on," might save the day. What do you reckon? What do you make of robot? No, more, no, <laughs> no, my Mister Naughty Robot. I, so I'm, I'm imagining um, Johnny Five from the film Short Circuit, but like with a really, really bad attitude. <clears throat> God, Johnny Five can't stand that film. I um, it um, it looks a bit like uh, Pepper the Robot. It might even be the Pepper the Robot in disguise. Ah, uh, yes. Is it Pepper the Robot with like an update? Well, I guess if I was going to program it, all it's doing is looking for faces without mouths. And then go, uh, go well, he's got a mask on or she's got a mask on. But as soon as you see the mouth, put that mouth away, sunshine. Easy peasy. I think one of the greatest tragedies of, of Japan is that uh, its robo-filled future hasn't really come to fruition, really, no. has it? I mean, you've got You're right. Pepper the Robot uh, in like Docomo or SoftBank. I think it's SoftBank stores, the, um, the phone company, come with Pepper the Robot. Mm. And it's... It's it's kind of impressive the way it moves. It's like a robot on wheels. Um, it it looks like a human apart from the legs, waist down. It's just wheels. Um, <laughs> that's a crap description of it. Pure white. It talks in a kind of annoying voice, and it doesn't really do a whole lot. But its, it's arms move nicely, so it's definitely worth the millions of dollars SoftBank have spent putting them in stores. But I, other than that, mm. I haven't really seen much else go on. Every now and then you see. Um, 
like robots that can talk, uh, uh, pre-programmed robots that look like humans, androids and stuff. Like I was in a shopping mall in Odaiba, um, near the future museum, uh, Minai Khan. And there's a, there was a customer support desk with a woman there. Um, but as you get close, you realize it's not a woman at all. It's an android who looks incredibly lifelike, uh, and moves really like in a lifelike manner. And that was kind of cool. That was really impressive. And that was a little bit scary in the uncanny valley. Um, but yeah, other than that, it hasn't really happened, does it? Can you think of any robots? Robot dinosaurs? No, I, 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 we, you know, we were promised in the eighties and the nineties that we uh, our future will be full of robots. But I think what's taken over is just kind of like web browser-based AI algorithms. <laughs> They're the computers it? and robots of the future. I, I honestly think that's the way it's going to happen. Really, I don't think there's going to be um, these sophisticated robots that we we think about. It's just a bit too cumbersome, isn't it? It's just going to be AI on a mm. phone, and that's not exciting. Agreed. It's not exciting at all. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This week on Stakhanov. One Direction's Liam Payne was in the studio talking to Jack Mates Happy Hour about life as a global pop star. With untold stories about his time on The X Factor, life in the world's biggest boy band and going solo, this one is not to miss. I was part of this massive machine and I knew my part in the machine very well. So I knew what I was doing every day. But then when that machine falls away and you're in the world and the world's just happening around, like, where do you fit? You can catch the full episode on Spotify. If that doesn't tickle your fancy, on this week's Football Ramble Presents, Kate and Jim sat down with former Chelsea, Juventus and England striker and football legend Enya Luko to discuss her storied career and her autobiography, They Don't Teach This. 
whether it's racism, whether it's bullying, whether it's sexism, often these behaviours are silent. They're not always something that's said. It's a feeling, it's a set of behaviours by a group of people towards you that makes you feel incredibly isolated. You can hear more from Enya Luko with Football Ramble Presents on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. All that and more at Sukarnov. We now turn our attention to the fax machine. What have we got this week, Mr. Dawson? We've got a message from, who's that? Ariel. Ariel says, dear Lord and Saviour Pete. Correct. And also, Chris, I absolutely love the podcast and the um, YouTube channel. They provide a more broad perspective on Japan. See what I did there. Something beyond just weeb anime culture. And that, in turn, made me appreciate the country and its culture a lot more. I've uh, recently come across an article called uh, about uh, Johatsu, people who apparently decide to just leave their old lives behind and disappear without a warning. They usually do this with the help of organizations that are specialized in making people disappear. I don't know if this has been discussed before on the podcast, but I found this to be an interesting, quite frankly, not so surprising phenomenon, knowing that Japan has big work-life balance issues. I'd be interested to hear your takes on it and whether or not you've heard about this before. Thank you for entertaining uh, us with free content. Keep the good work, guys. Ariel. Oh, interesting. Yeah, so people who are just kind of like a like a secret railroad who just gets rid of you. <laughs> I want to leave now. Bye. Yeah, I, I mean... I, th- I don't know if we talked about this before, but it's a very interesting phenomena. Um, Joel Hatsu literally means evaporation, which uh, mm. sounds pretty scary, pretty ominous. But, um, you know, there's a lot of people are under a lot of pressure in Japan, right? Uh, in, in work, in family relationships, um, sort of harsh work culture. And people do just decide one night that it's time to get out. And, I've heard of two people I know who have had uh, friends and family that have done it. Um, a good friend of mine, I think one of his brother or sister just disappeared in the night one day um, and just mm. vanished. And then a few years later, they turned up at the other end of Japan in um, somewhere like Nagasaki. They traveled like 500 miles. And were like, oh, I'm doing well. I live in Nagasaki now. And uh, yeah, how, how you doing? That happens. Um, <laughs> inescapable debt. Is one of the big things. If you've got yeah. a lot of debt, a lot of people just run away in the night to get away from it. Loveless marriages, um, that's another common one. People who want to get out of their job, it's another option as well. Um, I'm not sure how prevalent it is, really. Um, I've got a statistic that in 2015, Japan's National Police Agency had registered 82,000 missing people. Um which is quite a lot. It's a fair few people. Mm. But what's impressive is the service, the services that exist to help these people. And I think there's some good documentaries on you in, on YouTube. If you just type in Johatsu, J-O-U-H-A-T-S-U, um, Japan's disappearing people. Um, and you enlist these services and they'll basically come around at like 10 o'clock at night, pack up all your stuff and then whisk you off in a car. And it's done with a really really professional level of service. And I think it'd be a great topic for a TV show or a film or something. Um, these mm. sort of night moving services. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, maybe I should do it. If I get fed up with the YouTube again, yeah. disappear yourself, disappear. Wouldn't last for long. though, would it? Mm. Someone would just hack in to my Twitter and be like, Oh, he's a Nagasaki, isn't it? That's what Chris is. Nagasaki. Nagasaki. <laughs> I was like, giving the game away. Now everyone knows where I'll be. Um, yeah, I I see why it's why it's a thing. Um, what do you think? What's what are your thoughts, Pete? Joe had to. I don't know. I think it's I, I think 
I find I, I don't find a lot of my days uh, 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 obsessed with like you know escaping my life because I quite like my life. Um, but obviously, a lot of people are uh, you know find it very difficult in their in their own personal situations. I think that the debt thing's a big thing, mm. um, and that only gets uh, that that's only getting worse and worse for a lot of people as uh, as wages get uh, get lower and um, living living. Um, the price of living uh, goes up. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's uh, these kind of services. I think compounding debt with, um, you know, paying for someone to disappear you um, may not be helping the situation very much. But, <laughs> Imagine that. Know. And how are we going to pay for this disappearance service? Um, yeah. Uh, oh dear. I've got a list of the main reasons of motivation behind doing it though. Um, domestic violence, gambling debt, religious cults, stalkers, employers, the shame of job loss, divorce, and even failing an exam. Uh, these are all some of the key motivations wow. for doing it. Um, and to, to do this fly by night service, um, it's actually not that expensive. It could be anywhere between $450 to $2,600, depending on how much stuff, uh, requires to be moved and whatnot. Um, and mm. it depends on possessions, depends on the distance, depends on if it's a night or a day move, if children are brought along, um, and if someone is evading debt collectors. I think you've got to pay a premium in that case. But, uh, wow, that's really interesting. Could be a good topic for a mm. documentary. Add that on the list. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I mean, I guess it, uh, the, the lesser of two evils when it comes to the high suicide rate in Japan, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Um, getting out of a situation rather than uh, taking more drastic measures, obviously um, definitely preferable, isn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Fascinating stuff. Joel had to evaporation. Mm. Uh, hello, Chris and Pete, a long time listener of the podcast. First time writer since the age of 12, I've been fascinated by the culture language and just about everything about Japan. Now at the age of 30, I finally had the opportunity and financial stability to make my dream happen. After a long talk with my wife and her approval and blessing, I plan to take a one-month trip with my younger brother and explore as much of Japan as possible. I spent a whole year self-teaching Japanese, and suddenly bloody COVID crushed my dream. Oh, for God's sake. Sorry to hear that, Jamie. Uh, eventually, I'll make my trip happen. I plan on seeing as much as possible of the less tourist-cluttered prefectures. My question for you both is, from all the prefectures that are less commonly visited by tourists, have you found that some places are more accepting or welcoming? To tourists than others. P.S. Please buy a beer for Natsuki on us listeners and viewers. One fresh from the cold box. Um, silly fact, I'd listened to the podcast for a long time without seeing Pete in any video. And from his voice, I always imagined him to look like Dominic Monaghan, uh, Mon um, Mary from Lord of the Ring, Lord of the Rings, uh, <laughs> Jamie, Toronto, Canada. Do you look like Dominic uh, Monaghan from uh, Lord of the Rings? Mary, I mean my 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 restricted height would probably dictate that yes, I probably could pass for a <laughs> hobbit or a or an elf or something <laughs> small. Um, but no, I don't look like Dominic Cummings. Uh, not Dominic Cummings. Dominic but Cummings. This is the only Dominic Cummings. Oh, it's the only Dominic in, uh, in 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 UK life at the moment. Yeah, no, I don't like Dominic Monaghan from. Uh, he was in Lost and also uh, Lord of the Rings. Wasn't he? he was also in. I think he was in Flash Forward as well, which is a TV show I enjoyed immensely, but it didn't last for very long. That one got it. <laughs> <laughs> was it a Netflix series? They don't seem to last very long, do they? No, it, it'll probably it'll probably return as a Netflix series. Jolly good. Um, well, on the subject of less tourist clutter prefectures where people are nice, I'm going to say pretty much anywhere in Kyushu, actually. Um, mm. While I was on Journey Across Japan, I went... While I was down there, I think we had uh, Shala in Japan 
down there and Chris Okino at the time before he fled to South Korea. And they both went off and did a video somewhere in Kagoshima and they came back and they talked about how every local they'd met had just been really friendly and nice to them. So that's always stuck with me. Mm. But generally on my travels around Kyushu, which isn't overly touristy apart from Fukuoka maybe, uh, people there seem to be very open and warm and welcoming. And while everyone is in Japan, from my experience, in Tohoku in the north, um, in Tokyo, they're a little bit more reserved. They're just much more uh, wackier and outgoing and fun, I think, in uh, in the south and the west parts of the country. Is that Does that tally up with your experiences, Pete? Yeah, I think any, outside of major cities as well, there's probably uh, not, not a bad shout as well. Yeah. I like getting. I like getting out there. I like meeting people who aren't from the, the big cities. <laughs> I just realised, by the way, on the previous um, uh, question about Joel Hudson, ties in very nicely with Carlos mm. Ghosn, doesn't it? He he paid a hefty sum to evaporate to Lebanon. Yeah, I guess so. He disappeared himself. He evaporated. Hundreds of thousands of dollars, apparently, to get those mercenaries on board. Yeah, and the cello case that could fit him. Um, <laughs> got one from Tom from Vermont. Over to you, Pete. Uh, what up, lad, says Tom. So this question is mostly for Chris, but I'd love Pete's third-party insight too. Third party That's what I'm bringing to the vibe. Uh, third-party insight. Uh, this came to me while I was watching Chucky's video from the Sapporo Snow Festival for Japanese practice. I saw Chris Totten and Natsuki in the background. How much English versus Japanese do you speak with your Japanese friends? Uh, does it vary by person? Uh, I'm applying a jet this year. I don't think I would have done so if it weren't for the YouTube channel. Listening to the podcast for the last several months has gotten me more and more interested. It's always great fun and always improves a workout or a drive. Mm-hmm. Tom from Vermont. Do you speak a lot uh, to your Japanese friends in Japanese or English, or is it 50-50? It depends on the person, really. Obviously, Ryotaro, we just speak English because he's so bloody good, native English speaker level. Uh, my good friend Yuki, who you may have seen in a few videos, he's better at English than Natsuki, but I usually speak Japanese with him because, I don't know what, I don't know really, because I, I get the impression he doesn't really want to speak English that much, so I use it more with him. Whereas with Natsuki, uh, who has, as we discussed, good vocabulary knowledge when it comes to English, albeit lackluster grammar skills. I speak Japanese with him because he doesn't get much chance to use his, to, to use his um, English, right? So I see when I hang out with that, right. it's his chance to speak English. And I think he wants to. He loves speaking English. He just hasn't really had the chance to learn it properly. So that's why I do speak more English with Natsuki than you would think I would, um, even though we could probably make things happen a lot quicker and a lot more, <laughs> a lot less effortlessly if we did just do it in Japanese. Um, mm. Yeah. I think you and I should try speaking Japanese an entire podcast, Pete. What do you reckon? <laughs> yeah, How would that work? That would be a very long podcast. Very, very long podcast. Mainly, uh, mainly to do with like food, I would say. Well, I mean, you have, you have uh, kind of like Natsuki, your knowledge of Japanese is, is quite similar to him. It's quite sporadic and random. Like, you know, words that most people <laughs> wouldn't know, like kokunai, kokunai, domestic. Cockney, yeah. You always surprised yeah, me, but, that. but it's always like what you need, isn't it? So it's like if you, if you, for whatever reason, need to tell tell people that you've eaten too much, you use certain words, and if you've, if you're sort of looking for like the yeah, cockney, like the 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 uh, the what do you call the? Uh, I've, I've not been in an airport such a long time. Domestic, domestic. Uh, arrival terminal. Yeah, I'm sort of looking for that, so I learned the word cockney. <laughs> I like your your use of the word chigaimas, chigaimas. Chigao. Mm. Oh yeah, because I'm just doing mistakes left, right, and centre. It's it's a good word to know. Like if if yeah, it kind of means like no. It's a good substitute for no, isn't it? It means like oh, it's different. Mm. It's not that. It's different. Chigai mas chigao. 
Um, yeah, that's that's a good good use of that word, Pete. We'd like to hear you hear. We'd like Thanks, to hear mate. you use Japanese more often. I think on the uh, on the Abroad oh, Japan podcast. Would you know? Let's make it happen. It would be cool to do some sort of challenge one day when airplanes and travel become a thing again. Hopefully around spring next year. Get you over here and do like a crash course Japanese. It's like one week in a Japanese <laughs> yeah, one language. Yeah, those ones school. that are in like uh, in Tokyo, where you just t- take a week and just and you sort of go, oh, that sounds really cool. And you're like, oh, I don't want to go to school when I'm an old. Yeah, <laughs> we can film it, make a series, yeah, Pete's Japanese extravaganza adventure. <laughs> It'd be great. All right, inspire then, the fine. masses. Inspire Japanese language learning. Uh, keep the stories, questions, comments coming into Abroad in Japan podcast at gmail.com. We'll be back in the next few days, guys, still over again on Wednesday. But for now, no matter where you might be, out in the big wide world, have yourself a great uh, weekend, what's left of it. Do watch the new Abroad in Japan, Journey Across Japan, lots of things with Japan in episode where Joey and I finally reach Mount Fuji. But do we see it? You'll have to find out in the episode. But uh, check it out, enjoy it, and we'll see you on Wednesday. Do it all over again on the Abroad Japan podcast. Have a good one. production. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.